my counselor is always telling me, Ryan, you've got two ears and only one mouth. You should be listening twice as much as you speak. Does anyone but me have trouble with this? Today on Rebel Parenting, author Becky Harling will help us build stronger communication and deeper connections by teaching us how to listen so people will talk. Hey Rebels, welcome to another edition of Rebel Parenting. I'm your host, Ryan Dobson, with my wife, Laura. And if you are in the greater Phoenix area, I will be speaking at the Arizona Hills Community Church this Sunday, February 4th at 10 a.m. Yes, Super Bowl Sunday. No, I won't go long. And yes, you'll still get to see the game. Find out more at azhills.org. Back to the program. Early on in my marriage, I learned that Laura isn't looking for a full-time problem solver and that most of the time she just wants me to listen. And I have had a hard time with that, which is why we had such a great time talking with author Becky Harling. She is amazing and you are going to love her. She's going to teach us how to listen so people will talk. Let's get to the broadcast. Here's Becky Harling on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. Becky, thank you so much for coming on Rebel Parenting. We love this book, How to Listen So People Will Talk, Build Stronger Communications and Deeper Connections. That's, I mean, everybody wants that. We have such a hard time doing it, so we appreciate you being on the broadcast today. Well, thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here, and you're right. Everybody does want deeper communication, but they don't always take the time to listen to get it. It's true. Mm -hmm. It's true. You know, I think we are in about the most narcissistic generation that we can be in. And I I say this as someone who's on the radio regularly. I do videos three times a week. I do conferences, seminars. I love to hear myself talk. So I'm pointing the (laughs) finger at me when I say it. But it's true. I think so often we find ourselves in conversations that we think we're having and then you realize the person's not listening to you. They're just waiting for you to stop so they can start talking again. That's right. And it's what makes that worse is sometimes it's us that's doing the talking and mm-hmm. we're we're not listening to the other person at all. And you know, your your show is called Rebel Parenting Ryan and the way I discovered what a bad listener I was was when my teenage daughter confronted me. I you know, I asked her one simple question. I said, "Hey, honey, you know, how well do you think I listen?" And honestly, you know, we we think better of ourselves than we should. And I thought, oh, I, I have killed it here. I'm a great listener as her mom. She's going to give me rave reviews. And as I'm imagining this, there's a long pause. And she's like, well, mom, sometimes oh. you listen, but you interrupt me a lot. You dive in with your own yeah. story. I want to mm. feel heard. And you know, I'm like, oh, wow, I have a lot to work on. You're wait. I'm a certified life coach. I know what I'm doing. I've been trained to listen. And ah, okay, God, why do we find it so hard to listen to people these days, Becky? Why? Why today? Why you know in our modern era is it so hard to be present and just to hear what the person in front of you is saying? Why is that so difficult now? Well, I you know I think there's a lot of reasons for that, Ryan. I think at, at at the most core of all issues is that we want to be viewed as important or the expert. And so we feel like we have a lot to say. And, and, and I find that to be true whether a person is extroverted or introverted. I mean, even introverts mm-hmm. have a hard time listening. And then on top of that, we're so distracted, right? I mean, we get our mm-hmm. email on our phone. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. We're always yeah. checking our Instagram accounts. We've all gotten into selfies. I mean, 
it really, we're kind of full of ourselves, and technology is helping us be full of mm-hmm. ourselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting how we want to be the expert. I do find that. I find myself doing it, and I'm wondering, is there a way to reverse that in a conversation to make the other person the expert to get them talking? Yeah, I think there is. I think that it's, I think it's a heart issue. I think we have to go back mm-hmm. before God and say, hey, God, I realize I really have a problem. I, I want to be valued, yeah. and we all want to be valued, but I, I want to be viewed as the expert. And, and in this mm-hmm. conversation, help me to be intentional about allowing the other person to be viewed as the expert. And, and when we find ourselves like diving in, saying stupid things or sharing our own story or trying to like trump yeah. the other person with our story, you right. know, that happens we, all the time. Yeah, we have to look back and think, okay, what was I really looking for in that moment? You know, yeah. and what's it, the it, purpose of your communication? Yeah. And and then taking that again back before the Lord and saying, you know, God, I just really want to be like Jesus. And Jesus was so self-aware, but he wasn't self-focused. And that's what I love about him. Ooh. Right? I like that. Um, real quick, can we just talk about listening first? What is it? Because I, I think now we're talking like people aren't listening. They are listening. But I just want to talk about what is generous listening? Yeah, I love that question. I think it's when you are completely focused on the other person. So you're not planning ahead what you're going to say in response. You're seeking to validate that other person. You're seeking to empathize with them. You're seeking Mm. to make that person feel heard. You know, a lot of times between husbands and wives, there's this conversation and, you know, the wife will say, well, you're not listening. And the husband will say, well, I heard every word you said, you know, and just because you can pair it back, what somebody said doesn't mean you were really listening. When you listen, you listen with your heart and your soul and the other person feels like they've been heard. That's what real listening is. Unpack that a little bit. So it's not just being able to repeat back what somebody said, because I think, you know, I fall into the husband category here. And in that logical binary brain, if Laura tells me a bunch of things and I can repeat them all back, I've, I feel like I can, Generous listening I can prove I listened. <laughs> of course I listened. You said X, Y, Z. I can repeat back X, Y, Z. Unpack a little bit more what it really means to listen. You know, it, how the conversation would change, Ryan, for example, if you would turn to Laura and say, so it sounds like what you're feeling behind your words is X, Y, and Z, you know, and is it, have I really hurt mm. you? Is this how mm-hmm. you feel about this, you know, and mm. really uncovering the feelings that are behind statements because behind every statement is a desire. Otherwise, the person wouldn't be making a statement, right? So if, if right. Laura says to you, you know, Ryan, I you don't listen. I feel like we never go out on dates or whatever. I yeah. don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and then you say, you know, I'm listening and she's like, oh, I don't really feel heard because you said, you said you feel like you never go on dates and then you go on and you do whatever you're doing. But you haven't said, well, wow, I didn't realize you felt that way or help me understand mm-hmm. why dates are so important to you or whatever and really draw the other person out you're you're sure. if you when you really listen you invite the other person to tell you more mm-hmm. well and for mm-hmm. relationship those opportunities aren't missed because you're engaged you're listening exactly. yeah. i was thinking laura did with me the other day i was saying something 
And I thought I was saying it in a fairly benign way. And she said, you sound a little hot. Mm-hmm. And I thought about it and I did. And I was upset by it. And she said, you do. You sound upset. Do you know why you're upset? And I was like, I don't, but I am upset. And I, and it was, it was more freeing. And then I got to unpack more of it because she took the time to say, you know, you're saying this, but it, I think you mean something different because it sounds, you know, your words and your tone aren't matching the information. There was, there was a presence there that allowed me to step out of my own head and hear myself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think that this is really important for parents, actually, Ryan, because I think mm-hmm. and we, we have this Christianese myth you know, as parents, that parents are supposed to do all the talking and kids are just supposed to listen and obey. Mm -hmm. Are kids supposed to obey? Of course. But if you want your kids to like you when you're older and and want to be in a relationship with you, they have to feel heard. So, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, the Mm -hmm. example I give is uh, Steve and I have four kids uh, who are all married now and raising their own kids. But Our third uh, child was a little girl, and she came out of the womb as the negotiator. You know, every family has one, I'm sure. Yeah, we have one. (laughs) Yeah, and I mean, Steph needed to be heard. And I remember going before the Lord when she was three or four and saying, you've got to show me some new techniques because what I've done in the past (laughs) is not working with this child. Lord, help me. Yeah, It's so so great, though, Becky. i got to stop you for a second. What you did, Mm -hmm. it's the greatest thing a parent can do is to go before the Lord and go, hey, I'm not doing this right. i got to figure something new. I'm trying this thing. It's not working. I don't have it. You do. Lead yeah. me down that path. That's, that's a great parenting. thing. Yeah. yeah, that's right. It's saying, I don't have it, but we know the Lord's got it. Yeah, because I think Christian parents have bought into this myth, you know, that if they read the perfect book, they're going to get a formula. You know, they're going to practice yep. the formula and their kids, you know, and it doesn't work like that. If it was that easy, you wouldn't have to get down on our knees, right? Um, <laughs> Amen. Right. Amen. So as this little girl, I, I, you know, I learned she needed a voice. Steph had to feel heard. And mm. and so, like, mm. even at age three, I would set the kitchen timer for three minutes and say, okay, Steph, you've got three minutes to argue Aww. your case. And then at the end, we'll decide, you know, mommy will decide and you'll have to go along with my decision. But she needed to feel heard. When she got older, I made her write me proposals. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, wow. Is she an attorney she now? To feel heard, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, yeah. And, mm-hmm. and rather than just, you know, she would start conversations with don't say no yet. Just, you know, and I would know, yep. oh boy, here we go. And yeah. so I needed to stop and pause and make my child feel like what she was saying made sense. And I feel like that's an important concept for parents to hear. Your child needs to know that what they're arguing for makes sense in their mind. It might not be even the right thing, but they need to know that you understand their feelings. Mm. Well, and I love that because you have to be present. That's right. You have to stop, Mm -hmm. pause, be present. Yeah. And you're taking time. You know, kids intuitively know the most important thing, the most valuable thing we have in our lives is time. You can't make more time. You can make more money. You can buy more things. But sitting there saying you've got three minutes, you know, rebel parenting takes more time. You know, saying, listen, I'm going to decide this. You're three. You know, someday you'll get to be heard. It's just not today. Mommy's busy. I know what's best for you. I love you more than you know. Blah, blah, blah. All those things are true. But 
what you've given her is a voice and it says you're powerful, you're important, you're valuable, your you thoughts are valuable, your brain is valuable, your input is valuable. She feels worthy of time, worthy of being listened to. That's a yep. brilliant thing for a parent to do. Yeah, I, you know, it's interesting because uh, several years ago now, uh, my husband and I sat down with our our kids and the, their spouses. And we said, okay, guys, we want to know what are the things we did wrong? What are the things we did right as wow. parents from your Ooh. perspective? You know, we want to I like you. you. And so, you know, they, they told us some things that they wish we had done differently, and it gave us the yeah. opportunity to apologize, which I always think for parents, never so underestimate really. the value of an apology. Yes. But uh, yeah. on top of that, one Becky, of the say things, that again. Say it again. Honestly. Nice and slow. We don't please. hear it enough. Say it it's again. not tooting your own horn. It's not saying that you're a saint. But talk to parents about the value to a child of hearing I'm sorry from a parent. Even if this is the thing, too. And there's an older generation of parents, and I totally get this. And the mentality is if I didn't know then I can't be blamed for it. And I agree, it's not. It's just, can we both be sad we didn't know and then this wasn't, this didn't happen? You know, I didn't know I should have been yeah. more loving or caring or communicative or whatever it is, you know, and I'm sorry I didn't know that and that you missed out on it. That's an okay apology. There's nothing wrong with that. But talk about that importance and why children need to hear, I'm sorry. I, you know, I, I think that, the home is a place where we are to grow in our faith. And God gives us kids, not just so we can shape and grow them, but that so he can shape and grow us. And yeah. the power of an mm -hmm. apology does so many things. It keeps you humble as a parent before God, but then it mm -hmm. also shows your kids how to apologize. You know, every parent out there makes their kid apologize for things. Yeah. And I get that, totally. right? But mm -hmm. if they don't see it modeled in the home, they are not going to grow into adults who are emotionally and spiritually mature enough to say they're sorry when they're wrong. And so in mm -hmm. our house, we taught our kids to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong. And that meant Steve and I had to say it. And so yep. at, when, we, when we met with our kids, we were able to apologize for things, you know, times when we were impatient and we didn't really hear the kids or times where we were right. too whatever busy with ministry or whatever but yeah. but out of that conversation Steph my little negotiator who is now a powerful bible teacher <laughs> said the greatest gift you gave me was you gave me a voice and i realized mm -hmm. how profound that is because mm -hmm. kids need a voice you know they so do you think know, by listening to them that's the first step in producing that voice or one of yes, them? Yes, yes. Because I, I think they're living in a world where everybody is shouting their opinions, but they need to be heard and they need to, they need to have it modeled for them what it mm. means to have, to be a really good listener, to really value other people's opinions. So you talked about um, getting clear about your own um, internal conversation and your own conflict and um, can you talk about that? Like, how could someone just get yeah. clear of it? So, okay. Uh, so here's a personal example from my marriage. Uh, I remember there was a season where Steve was inter thinking about a new job opportunity. We were out to dinner together, and 
he's going on and on and on about this job opportunity and I'm growing more and more agitated. And mm-hmm. um, I had to stop and think, why am I so annoyed with him? He needs to be able to process this. And I realized that as shallow as this is underneath the surface, I had spent a lot of time that night getting ready for our date. I had put on mm. my makeup. I had done my yeah. hair. And what I was looking for out of the conversation was, oh, honey, you look beautiful. What Steve was looking for is, I've got this great big opportunity and I want to process it with somebody. Two mm-hmm. completely different agendas. But by yeah. stepping back and asking myself, what was I looking for there? I was able to understand what was going on in my heart. And I was mm-hmm. able to really be more fully present for Steve. And so sometimes mm-hmm. it just takes yeah. intentional pausing and saying, what am I looking for out of this conversation? And what does the other person need? Because I want to be there for them. Definitely. Definitely. You know what? There's another, uh, there's another side to this that I've been learning with Laura and it's every now and then I just tell her what I want to hear. You (laughs) know, uh, the other day I cleaned out the garage and I said, tell me I did a good job. Tell me you're surprised that it looks this good when you came home and that you're proud of me. And the rest of the day, she kept telling me that. And I gotta be honest, I don't care that I told her what to say because I know what I wanted to hear and I wanted to hear it from her. And I know she believes it. She didn't make it up. She wasn't teasing me with it, but she said, I really am proud of you. I am totally surprised it looks like this. And I felt great about it because I'm mature enough to say, I need to hear certain things when I do these things. Mm -hmm. And it makes me want to do them again. It makes me want to clean the garage again if you say these things. And as an adult, I got to be able to tell my wife, hey, could you say this to me? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and after cleaning the dishes 250,000 times, sometimes I do like to be told, hey, good job on cleaning the dishes again. That's exactly right. (laughs) That's exactly right. Yeah. And so... Uh, there's honest communication between two people. Um, and, and you say, for example, Ryan, Hey, tell me I did a great job on the garage. I need to, you know, that you're proud of me. Laura showed you that she really listened because she told you that throughout the rest of the day. So she, your feelings mattered to her and she Mm -hmm. validated your need to, to feel heard by telling you exactly what you needed to hear the rest of the day. So I love that. That's right. And you know what, Becky? Here's what I also know about Laura. The next time I do something like that, she'll remember what I want to hear and say those things because she did. She listened. One of the things you say in your book is that humility is vital to listening. You know, I know that's true. I just don't have a great way of explaining it. Talk about how humility is such an important factor in good listening. It's so important because to be a really good listener, to be fully present to another person, to really have their opinion matter to you, you have to lay aside your own agenda. You know, all of us come into Mm. a new day with an agenda. You know, we, we... we we want to give our agenda to the Lord. We want to ask the Lord for his agenda in our lives. But too often we have an agenda, right? So mm-hmm. when a spouse comes home from work or when a child comes home from school, we have an agenda in our mind. You know, we want them to do their homework. We maybe want right. them to help with household chores. But instead, if we'll lay aside our agenda for a while and really focus on their agenda 
And that's where humility comes in, to lay aside your agenda and to completely focus on what's important to the other person really takes humility. And Jesus modeled that so well, because he Mm -hmm. left his agenda in heaven and came to earth so that he could meet our needs. Mm -hmm. And I just love that. So you, it's, um, you talked about exercises to strengthening your ear. Yeah. Is this similar to what you're sharing about? How can we strengthen our ear? You know, I, I suggest in the book three different things. At the end of every chapter, there's exercises to strengthen your ear. And, and I kind of divide it into three categories. As a person who follows Jesus, I believe it begins by listening to God first. And to write mm-hmm. down what he says, whether they are listening in by reading the Word of God, whether they are listening to the yes. still, small, quiet voice of God in their life, whether they're listening through praise music. And then I encourage the reader to listen to their heart, to spend some time reflecting, who am I as a person? What's important to me? What's my story? What what are my strengths and my weaknesses so that you understand what emotional junk you're bringing to each conversation. Mm, And then I give exercises at the end of every chapter about listening to others. And I give very specific practices for people to practice. Like one of them is, um, try the 15 minute rule. You know, when your kids come home from school or when your spouse comes home from work, give your spouse 15 minutes of complete uninterrupted time or your kids. In other words, you're not going to be on your smartphone. You're not going to be checking Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or whatever. You're just going to be looking at whoever's talking to you, entering into their world. So those are some of the intentional practices. Perfect. Let me know how it works. (laughs) I will. I'll text you. Definitely. (laughs) Becky, You talk a little bit in the book about, you know, I know as a husband early on with Laura, our communication problems fell into the listen versus fix problem. She would tell me a problem. I would jump into the solution and she wouldn't feel like I was listening to her. And I think that's one we talk about a lot, that listen versus fix. And and there were, for a season in Laura's life, she would start to talk to me and I would feel this need to fix something. And I would, and I would just ask, I would go listen or fix and she would go, listen. And then I would, the freedom was, oh, I don't have to fix, I don't have to solve anything. And we communicated better. Are there other um, maybe traps that we fall into easily with our spouses like the listen fix? And are there those types of things with our kids? Are there Absolutely. ones where I can, when I'm with my children, where I can catch myself and I go, oh, I'm in one of those again? Yeah, we just really love to give advice. I, and I think yep. it's, it's across the board. It's women and men both love to do mm-hmm. it. You know, I always use the illustration of a mom with a new baby. And the, and the question that's always asked by other parents or by other people in the mom's life is, is your kid sleeping through the night? You know, and, and then as soon as the, the young mom says, well, no, not yet. Yes, Somebody in yeah. the room has the exact solution for how to get that child to sleep through the yep. night. And I'm the sorry. Book. We had a colicky <laughs> baby. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a public speaker. I would go in front of, you know, a thousand person audience and tell stories of, of my son being colicky. And by the end of the night, I'd have three or four pieces of paper slipped in my pocket with grandma's remedy for colic. Of, oh, and they were so yeah. funny. I mean boiling a half an onion with peppermints yep. and putting it in his bottle. And I mean, just terrible, terrible things. Oh yeah. Things too. Oh, yeah, the advice. Funny. Oh, it's crazy. And, 
people don't want your advice. I know that we just shocking, talked about that, but I'm going to yeah. say it again. People don't want your advice. They want to feel heard. So exactly. when my daughters call me and ask me, you know, when did we sleep through the night? My answer is, hey, some of you slept through the night great. Some of you didn't sleep through the night until you moved out and got married. And I'm still not sure you're sleeping through the night. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably not. Yeah. Yeah. There's no answer for that. And people don't mm-hmm. want advice. You know, nope. even like when somebody comes to me and says, hey, Becky, I'm really struggling in my marriage. They don't want my advice. They, they don't. want me to listen to them. They mm-hmm. they them. want prayer. They want yep. comfort. They want validation and empathy for their feelings. But they don't want me to try to fix their problem. Nope. And and you're not meant to. No. It's we we have to know where we begin and where we end. Here's the thing. If I could solve someone else's problem in a minute, that makes them an idiot. And nobody wants exactly. to feel like an idiot, right? No, you take away what was given to them. Mm-hmm. What God yeah. has ordained for their journey and their narrative. You can't steal that. Right. And so what I tell people to do if you're tempted to fix is ask a question instead. You know, yep. what do you think you should do? Where do you see God in this problem? How do you feel this should turn out? Or what do you want? Or what are you looking for? Be more Socratic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Definitely. And wait for that person to ask. You know, every now and then, that's interesting, because we were with a couple not long ago, and Laura was asking them, so what do you think you should do? And how do you feel about that? And I was I was thinking, wow, she's really good at this. I was sitting there, and we, we had a great conversation. And then after a while, the person said, so what do you think I ought to do? I want to know what you think. And it was like, that's interesting. It took quite some time of asking the person what they thought, have them process. And then they finally turned around and were like, but what do you think? And it's like, all right, there you go. Yeah, and so then you can then you can say yeah, your then opinion, you can give advice. But mm-hmm. you just be really even careful there because yep. most problems in life are complicated, right? And they're not yep. easy fixes, and Never. they take wrestling, and they take you know wisdom from God, and you know so most most issues aren't quite as easy to fix as we might think they are. Yeah, well, um, yeah, no one, yeah. Definitely. Becky, I know there's parents out there thinking, oh my goodness, I have totally, you know, stifled my kid's voice or suppressed it or stuffed it down or I think maybe I have. And or, you know, I used to be an angry parent, you know, for the first maybe six, seven years of my son's life. I was kind of angry and Mm -hmm. it was hard to get him to to learn to use his voice what are some of the ways that we can listen so that kids feel safe to share their voice? And because we want to be able to listen when they share anything, if it's a coach that's being inappropriate or a teacher or a friend or anything, anything at all, we want them to feel safe enough to come to us. How do we listen so our kids feel safer? Well, I think the first thing is if you feel after hearing this podcast that you have not been a good listener, begin by confessing to God and and apologizing Mm -hmm. to your kids. Hey, honey, I have not been a great listener and I'm sorry about that. I've been wrong and I want to, I'm going to really work on this. I'm Mm going to work on listening to you. So I want to invite you to help me become a better listener, invite their help because most kids are more than willing to help their parents to become better yeah. listeners, right? Totally. They, oh, yeah. yeah. 
And then, you know, when they share an opinion, let them own their own opinions. It may be completely different than yours. You know, I I, I had to work on my body language a lot when our kids were teens mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, they would share something with me. And if I looked shocked, that would be right. the end of the conversation. So, yeah. If you've got teens and you want to be a good listener, take them for a drive in the car because you're forced to look straight forward. And while they're talking to you, you can practice, you know, just listening. Don't dive to conclusions. Don't correct feelings. Just let them feel heard. For example, let's say your kid comes home from school and is like, I am so angry. The worst Mm -hmm. thing a Christian parent can say or a non-Christian parent is, wow, we don't want to feel angry. Well, that's dumb. Of course you're going to feel angry, right? So let them feel angry. Anger can be really productive. And, Mm -hmm. And so find out why they're angry. Help them focus their anger in a good way. Let them be free to share their opinions. You know, mm. I, I even hesitate to bring this up, Brian, but, and, and Laura, but, but a lot of parents want their kids to be on the same page with them, even politically. Well, our nation is divided politically. Yep, kids totally. are going to hear all different kinds of things in school and they have all different yes. views and it's yeah. okay for you to be on a different side of the aisle than your kids. You know, you don't want to and you should expect it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you should expect yes. it at some point. They have to become yes. their own person. And to do that, they've got to buck the system. And you're the system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just how it is. Yeah. And, you know, things aren't as black and white sometimes as we parents would like to think they are. And so mm-hmm. yeah. I always say find something to agree with in a conversation. Let's say your yeah. kid says, you know, they like a candidate and you can't stand that candidate. Find something you can agree with, you know, mm-hmm. anything and mm-hmm. then move on from there. But Kids need to feel like their opinions are being heard. This is a crazy world we're living in. And kids are exploring and they're trying to figure out who they are and what the Word of God says. Don't use the Word of God to slam your kids, but listen Mm. to them. Find out what they think. That's great. You know, I'm learning this more because I have a daughter you know, my son and I think alike because we both have testosterone. We're both boys. We understand each other uh, biologically, physiologically. Lucy, I just didn't, you know, and she's a girl and she's emotional and she talks and she cries and she sings and she does other things. And I just didn't know how to deal with it. And I would try to, you know, the emotions would get overwhelming for me. And when I learned just to accept it, when she runs in crying, just to be like, what's going on? How are you? How are you feeling? What happened? She just wants to be heard and she wants to express herself. And the more I can let her just express whatever it is that she's feeling, the more she feels loved by me or heard by me. Yeah. And you you want your kids to know that they can say anything to you. You know, one Mm -hmm. of the things Mm -hmm. that we would often tell our kids is, look, you can tell us anything. We love you. And that's never going to change. You know, and I I think that's where it starts with kids. And it was interesting, Ryan, because you said that your daughter's emotions really overwhelmed you because you felt overwhelmed. But can you imagine what they're doing to her? So she probably feels overwhelmed by her own emotions. And so that's a really great way to offer empathy. Like your, Mm -hmm. your feelings right now must feel overwhelming. So tell me what's going on. You know, let's. Let's, I, I want to hear what you're feeling, what's troubling you or whatever, but just providing that safe place. Home should be a safe place, shouldn't it? 
Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Oh, what a breath of fresh air. Becky, it's so great. And you know what? One of the things we love about the book is how many questions you have in it. I don't want to give them away, but there are so many fun questions to ask your spouse, to ask your kids. Our producer was getting ready to go to a company party recently and took a bunch of the questions with her and said it felt like it helped her get to know people so much more quickly or at least in a deeper level. I thought it was so great. We really do appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you to your producer for using those questions. That's that's really validating for me as an author, you know, that, you know, sometimes when you're writing a book, you wonder how is this going to be received or whatever. But so thank you. Awesome. And next time we'll have you to the studio because we didn't know we lived so close. But we appreciate (laughs) you being on the program today. Definitely. Well, thanks thanks so Becky. much, guys. Blessings to you both and to your family. And enjoy it. It goes so quickly. Mm. <laughs> it does. Thank you so much. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, Rebels. Let's not forget, we all have two ears and one mouth. And it's better to listen than to talk oftentimes. I go back to the book of Job and I think how great it was for Job to have his friends just sit just sit and listen to the cries of his heart and how poorly it went when they started to talk. That's why we had so much fun with Becky Harling on today's broadcast. And don't forget, if you're in the greater Phoenix, Arizona area, I'll be at the Arizona Hills Community Church this Sunday, February 4th at 10 a.m. azhills.org is the website. You won't miss the Super Bowl. I won't go that long. I can't wait to see you. God bless. We'll see you soon.